Hello and welcome to the Sister Luna podcast. On our last episode, you heard us riffing and having the best time with Chantelle Stormsong Chagnon. And on this episode, it's going to be part two of our conversations with her. Um, I want to jump in here and give a little bit of an explanation as to what's going on. <laughs> We did a drum making workshop with Chantelle and it was truly incredible. I made a drum out of elk hide. John made a drum out of moose hide. Each of those have their own uh, significant meaning, distinct meaning, area on the medicine wheel, associated sacred herbs. It's a really incredible experience. Um, if you live in the area and Chantelle is running a workshop, it's you won't be sorry that you signed up to do it. It's really, really fantastic. Um, so I just wanted to give that little bit of a heads up. At the start of this half of our interview with her, you're going to hear some clips from that workshop. We're going to hear Chantelle do the Cree welcome song again. Uh, we're going to hear her talking about the medicine wheel and probably some other excerpts from that as well. So it's going to be a really exciting and informative time. And uh... we are going to get into some other topics beyond drumming. We're going to discuss smudging, cultural appropriation, the heartbreaking, uh, but unfortunately not very surprising, continued discoveries of Indigenous children buried in mass graves. All of this we're going to get into. Um, yeah, but there's still going to be some love and some fun in there, of course, despite everything. Without further ado, the Sister Luna podcast would like to acknowledge in the spirit of respect, reciprocity, and truth, we honor and acknowledge the Mokinsis and the traditional Treaty 7 territory and oral practices of the Blackfoot Confederacy, Siksika, Kainai, Pikani, as well as the Stony Nakoda and the Sutsina Nations. We acknowledge that this territory is home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3, within the historical Northwest Métis homeland. Finally, we acknowledge all nations, Indigenous and non, who live, work, and play on this land, and we honor and celebrate this territory. Let us never forget, we are on Native land. And so, Mia Sin, which is the pre-welcome song, is from the Nakahau family from the spiritual nation, which is on the border of Alberta and Saskatchewan, and kind of like lump over top. Um, and they... I am so thankful for this family for keeping and sharing this song and the story because it really is about connection to that family. Uh, it's important to acknowledge where um, you know, the, the teachings have come from, where the songs have come from, where the stories have come from, and to acknowledge the hardships that you know we have survived to get to where we are now, which is so such a gift. Um, I'm thankful. You know, even though we have suffered some of the worst atrocities, which is really coming to into view, we've actually, you know, we keep a sense of humor, we keep a sense of compassion and kindness and connection because that's truly what the land is. It's about compassion and kindness and, and laughter because nature's hilarious. <laughs> so it's really about acknowledging everything. And I acknowledge that family and thank that family for keeping us alive. Um, I was not raised with my language. 
I was only raised with my culture when I would, you know, go to the reserve. We would always have like a family reunion, and um, like we have a very sports reserve, so everybody would go golfing or go in like the softball tournament. And I am not a sports kid, uh, so I would sneak off with the elders and I would learn from them. And that is something that was so important to me, and I didn't realize where we were bringing it later in life. So sorry for being serious, but because my mission really, my great grandfather led me on this path, and I'm very thankful for everything that he left me with. He's really been my heart and mind lately, because so, <coughs> he lost a lot of kids in the message, and I couldn't imagine this same children. And so, oh, I breathe, and I have to sing. <laughs> so, um, yes, it which is the Cree welcome song. Again, we keep it in Renzo 3 to keep that circle open. So if you need to leave at any point or you come back in or if somebody randomly joins that circle, um, it ebbs and flows like our heart. You know, we have to leave our heart open for people to come in and out and never be rigid to hold people in or to keep people out. And so that's what the circle also reminds us of, is that connection of our heart and our community. And so Miasin, it honors that. And it doesn't just mean welcome. It also means beautiful. And so when I share my teachings, I can only share what I know. 
So if it works with you on your path, awesome. If it doesn't, that's okay too. This is why we have oral traditions and oral storytelling, because whatever's working for us, we'll remember, and whatever's not, it won't take up space in our brain. There won't be a test, you'll be okay. So, <laughs> but it's really about finding what you need. <laughs> but even the way that uh, I approach my teaching, so I'm a prairie, uh, I'm a creek prairie. So uh, we always go start in the east and then we work our way south, then to the west, then to the north. Um, but my friend who's Mohawk, she's from um, Six Nations, and so her teachings are a little bit different. So yes, they started in the east, but they're of the Great Lakes. So all of their ceremony would always be around the lakes, it would always be reflected, and so they were reflecting the sky. So instead, when the south, they actually go to the north, and then they go to the south, or west, and then to the south. So a little bit different, which is hilarious when we're sitting together in ceremony, because she's like, you guys are going the wrong way. <laughs> and then when I sit with her, I was like, you guys are inviting the contrary grandmothers, things are gonna get crazy. <laughs> when they're actually going to deeply connect you to your own ancestors. And I think that's why things like this are so important. Because I think everybody is looking for that connection with their own ancestors. And the drum is that heartbeat of Mother Earth. We are all from the Earth. When we say all my relations, it's because we are. We're all related to each other. We're all related to the Earth, the plants, the animals, the mountains, the winds, the sky, everything. And so um, this is why it's so, so important to be able to share in a good way. Um, and so, that said, <laughs> I'm going to start with my medicine meal, um, and you'll notice that the hides are all laid out, um, and they're laid out in the direction that they sit on my medicine. But again, not right or wrong, just different. If you're drawn to something specifically, and maybe your teachings are a little different around that, that's okay too. Um, it's just really about acknowledging what you need, and the healing that you need in your life, and the path that needs to unfold in front of you, and not to be rigid with that thinking. Okay, no test, you'll be fine. That being said, I'm going to start in the east. Um, the reason I always start in the east is because that's where Grandfather Sun rises every morning. Um, and, um, you know, he guides us in a good way. It's really about where, when we look at the medicine wheel, it's about balance. So we have Grandfather Sun in the east, and that's that masculine energy. We have Grandmother Moon in the west, that's that feminine energy. And we're a balance of masculine and feminine. We're not one or the other, we're both. And so it's important to acknowledge that balance in each and every one of us. Um, and sometimes I think we forget about that, especially our society who's trying to, like, you know, box us, like, you're a dude, you're a lady. <laughs> and they, they separate <laughs> They separate us, but we need to come back together, because that's truly what those learnings of the medicine are. And even when we look at, you know, the earth, which is our physical body, we also have the sky, um, the winds, which is our physical spirit. <laughs> our spirit. And so there's that balance again. It reminds us that yes, our physical body is important, but our spiritual body is important as well. And so that's that balance. Um, and so that's what we're seeing in the medicine wheel. And so um, in the east, we have Grandfather Sun. He's a big ball of fire, so the element there is fire. Um, he uh, guides us, so this is where we start our lives, so that's our childhood. That's where we start the seasons, so that's the springtime. That's when Grandfather Sun comes back to the earth, warms up the earth, and this is where we see all that new plant growth and plant life and the fabulous allergy season happening. <laughs> I'm like, I've been suffering a little bit, just saying, I've been sneezing a lot. Um, I love the flowers on the trees, but they don't love me back. <laughs> um, but also, you know, those baby animals, and it 
reminds us of like, you know, being curious and being able to land and just seeing that new life, those new possibilities and all of that, and those gifts that the world has for us and how we can learn from those gifts, just like how we can learn from our, our children because they teach us so much. Kids, oh God, they teach you. <laughs> um, I've got, well, my two boys, but then um, right before the pandemic, I adopted two girls um, doing kinship care because I didn't want them to get lost in the foster care system. And I'm like, mm-hmm. they're mine. So, yeah, they're awesome. Hello. <laughs> but they're teenagers, so. <laughs> I don't know, sometimes they don't love me. <laughs> but I'm still really, really thankful. Because um, yeah, they are. They're, kids teach you so much about yourself, and they remind you to be curious. They remind you to see the world through those open eyes and through like all of that you know wonder and beauty that surrounds us because I think as we get older we forget we forget to acknowledge that curiosity we forget to ask questions we forget to get excited um, and so they remind us of that uh, the research connected to childhood as well because uh, that's when in our mind is that's when we learn the most you know when you start your life you're this weird gelatinous human and you go with really big heads because you've got to learn the world around you but then you know even moments out of the gate, the first thing you learn how to do is communicate by screaming your head off, right? And then, of course, you get older and you explore the world more and you learn, you know, how to crawl and how to walk and how to speak and how to form complete sentences and then you branch out more and then you learn, you know, how to interact with friends and family and how not to be a jerk to your friends and how to share, hopefully. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I don't know when we lose that. When do we lose the sharing uh, ability? But um, then we get older, of course, we go to school, and then we learn, you know, science, math, reading, writing, all these incredible concepts. But the little baby brains are just like bombarded with information. And so it reminds us just how wondrous the world is, how much there is to learn. Um, and the hive that we have there is elk. Elk is it's like that guiding force. Elk is always the first to move with the seasons. Um, the really cool thing about elk, too, is it can sense fire coming. So if there's a forest fire coming or a prairie fire coming, it will warn, it will trumpet, and warn warn all of the animals, like, time to go. (laughs) And, um, but also, if it senses it before it actually starts to burn, it will go and it will tamp down the hot spots to hopefully stop whatever's happening. And you'll see it sometimes when they're kicking, sometimes they're kicking to cover up, you know, embers that might, you know, might happen. But also after um, a forest fire, they're always the first to go back in and just to make sure it's safe, and they're always the ones tapping down the hot spot, and then, you know, of course, well, leaving lots of seeds for new life, and <laughs> they're on the way, right? So it teaches us that, you know, even those um, things that we consider wasteful aren't wasteful, because it's, they're bringing new life into this world. Their poop brings new life. So, <laughs> So you can see how it's braided. That braid is really, really important. 
Every section of the braid has seven blades of sweetgrass in it. It reminds us that one blade on its own isn't strong, it'll snap. But when you weave them together, they're very, very strong. And the seven is important because it reminds us of the seven teachings that we have to carry within us. It reminds us of our seven generations behind, which have led us to this moment, and then our seven generations forward. Um, so whenever we make decisions, we are usually making better decisions with sweetgrass because we're thinking seven generations back. What did my ancestors do to bring me to this moment? Am I honoring everything that they did, all the sacrifices that they did, uh, that everything that they've had to go through for me to be here? Am I respecting and honoring their voices? Am I keeping that legacy alive? And then we think seven generations forward. What am I doing to leave a better world for my future generations? Am I leaving the teachings for them? Am I leaving good examples for them? Or am I leaving a mess for them to clean up? And so when we make decisions like that, we make way better decisions because it's not just about us. It's really about honoring that past and leaving that legacy for the future because we are somebody's ancestor. So when I say that to kids, they're like, I'm not old. I'm like, I'm not old. excerpts from the drum making workshop that I mentioned uh, and now we're going to jump right back into our conversations with Chantel. We are talking about tarot cards, specifically the Wildwood uh, tarot deck. It's one of my faves and we will definitely post images of the cards that we're discussing on the Instagram. So check us out there. It is at Sister Luna Podcast on Instagram. That one's the wild one. Mm. It looks a little pedo for me. Oh, God. <laughs> Am I wrong? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the traveler. <laughs> oh, God. John just made a Star Trek reference. <laughs> Ooh, we should play Star Trek Seen It. <laughs> no one will play with me. Oh. <laughs> 
I've only seen Next Generation. I haven't seen all of them. <laughs> Even the bad ones. <laughs> Except the newest one. I haven't seen the newest one yet. Picard? Oh, oh well, no, I haven't seen that one either. What? What? Star Trek Picard? <gasps> no, I haven't seen that. It's Picard. He's back. Oh, my God. I love that guy. Mm. He has like not aged. Patrick Stewart? <laughs> No, no. I'm pretty sure he's... Well, no, he, it's him being a very old man plays oh. heavily into the plot. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> like a crop circle. I dig it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's one that's like that, except it's a guy with a huge erection, <laughs> which is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's great. I forget the name of it. It's like in the English Islands. Yeah. Just some guy... 1500 years ago salted the like a giant hill so that grass doesn't grow in the shape of like yeah naked dude with an erection <laughs> that's the best mm-hmm. I, d- I just typed in English erection monument <laughs> because I don't know what to look up Cern Abbas giant yeah there he is Cernabis. That worked. That was the right keywords. Yeah. <laughs> Is a hill figure near the village of Cernabis in Dorset, England. 55 meters high, 180 feet. It depicts a standing nude male with a prominent erection and wielding a large club. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> wonder, his whole body is 180 feet tall. I wonder how tall just the penis is. <laughs> it's probably tall enough that like a six foot man could be like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's amazing <laughs> what a fun sidebar mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boom. there he is <laughs> there he is <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> They're like, this is what humans are, aliens. And aliens are like, nope. <laughs> We're no, good. Thank no thanks. Probably like 20, 30 feet. Really? So way bigger than a six foot man. If wow. it's 180 feet, yeah. Yeah. So that'd be like, like 20 feet would be one ninth. <laughs> it's a, that's a big penis. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's very true. Oh my gosh, this is so fun. Look, we barely, I didn't even ask any of the questions I prepared, hardly, and it's already 52 minutes. You know, in all fairness, we've just been, like, riffing. That's yeah. true. Oh, have you seen the Badland Guardian? No. <gasps> Type in Badlands Guardian. It is a natural formation, oh, but because cool. they've been drilling in it, the natural formation looks like he's wearing earbuds. <laughs> oh my god, what? It's an actual place in Alberta. Oh my in God. Southern Alberta. Whoa. Oh, in Badlands National Park? Uh, no, it's not the National Park because they're drilling there. Oh, right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. Huh, interesting. Wow. But maybe near, right? like around there somewhere? You can Google it. Actually, do wow. it on Google Earth. It's way more impressive. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. It does look like he's wearing earbuds. <laughs> oh my God. We're going to have to put that on the Instagram mm. for this episode. There's a lot of really cool things here. But um, what's really interesting about that is, like, that used to be a sacred site, but uh, mm-hmm. we were barred from it. Like, um, a Blackfoot were barred from it. There used to be um, a Sundance that was close to there, but they haven't done the Sundance there. 
and like mm. forever, but was actually right in his line of vision where they used to do it. Wow. So it was like they knew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm always like amazed every time they find something new about indigenous culture here in North America. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they just um, they discovered a site in BC, I think at the beginning of the year, beginning mm. of this year or last year. But um, it was just like ruins essentially, and like old pockets of like um, different artifacts and things like that. So they wow. carbon dated the whole site because it looked like you know people had been living there, right. but it was uh, fossilized because of the uh, amount of like salt water that had poured in there and just oh. like mm. preserved everything. But they were able to trace it back, it was like 14 or 15,000 years. And same with um, down south by the fun, uh, Sundance Grounds by Pagani, um, there was a flood a few years ago, which uncovered artifacts and actually brought up a bunch of you know, oh new things. Um, archaeologists went in because the elders were like, yeah, we're going to invite them in. We want to prove that we've been doing this for right. a really long time. Right. And they were able to predate those artifacts over 15,000 years as well. Wow. wow. You Amazing. think you find it in any mainstream media? Of course not. No, <laughs> I had no idea. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. But the thing is, if the government actually acknowledges that, it acknowledges the damage that they have caused mm-hmm. mm, by, true. you know, drilling or digging or, I yeah. mean, even when we are looking at like the wetlands around this area, those were sacred grounds. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend who's an archeologist and they won't let archeologists on the sites where they're, they've already had development contracts because they know they're going to find something, yeah. which is, it's yeah. heartbreaking. You're just washing away history, mm-hmm. but we're also washing away ourselves because those wetlands are there for a reason. Yeah. What do you think? We had such a horrible flood how many years ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're destroying the wetlands and we are developing mm-hmm. all of these new areas around the coolies and around those like, you know, carbon traps and things like that. Yeah. And we're going to be like, oh my God, why is the flood so bad? Because we're going to get another flood. There hasn't been enough mm-hmm. mitigation to mitigate the fact that we're destroying those natural mitigation pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and the teachings have been here in this land for that long. And it's like the Blackfoot teachings are like, there have been floods here. Don't mess about. Don't yeah. settle mm-hmm. here. Stay here. Like it's, right. it's crazy that the stories are like, this is where you don't go. This is where you do go. This is where you sleep. This is where you don't sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Unless when it you want to drown. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so true. Mm-hmm. But um, it's we're meant to move. Mm-hmm. We're meant to move with nature. We're not meant to stay in one place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very short sighted to think that we can stay in one place. Especially by water. What are we dumb? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's why people get like so stir crazy or they get like wanderlust or whatever. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's natural to want to move around sometimes and not just be stuck. Not only in the same place in terms of like your house is in one spot, but also just doing the same thing every day forever, like for years mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. insane. Nobody wants to do that. What I'm into. Yeah. But then the Again, the patriarchy. I want to put like a like a reverb on that or something to make it sound scary. The patriarchy. <laughs> exactly. They're like, oh, it's a good work ethic if you have the same job for thirty years. 
Right. Well, we weren't even meant to sleep for as long as we do every night. Like, um, we're supposed to break up our sleep schedules. Mm, I mean, we do get six to eight hours of sleep, but it's supposed to be broken up. Um, And Mm. the reason people feel so bogged down and tired in the middle of the day is because that's when we're supposed to have a nap. Mm. (laughs) I mean, they got it going on. When I went to Spain, they're like, siesta. I'm like, this is the best country ever. (laughs) You eat and sleep and eat and party and eat and sleep. I'm like, I love this place. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. When we were in Vernon this last year, it was so hot. It was during the heat wave before the fires, though. So I guess it was a good time to go sad that there's fires at all but mm-hmm. anyways john kept saying like it's time to take a nap he almost wanted to be like to everyone take a nap right now <laughs> this is the time to do it i said and then we'll get up and party more later that's it, well that's what you're supposed to do yeah. you know you sleep at the hottest time of the day or the coldest time of the day and then you're more functional in the other parts yeah. of the day this has been for time immemorial just because we have you know technology doesn't mean we can break that cycle there's a reason we cycle the way we do there's a reason you know we have our moon time in the same time as the moon right this is Mm -hmm. why it's called our moon time this is why we cycle in 28 days but even like our body cycles this is why we're tired at about most people only get tired at like two or three in the morning and Mm -hmm. then they're ready to go around like seven as soon as the sun's rising but then after you eat lunch in the hottest time of the day you get tired again mm. that's what we're meant to do we're meant to sleep hmm. i don't know this whole topic kind of ties back a lot to what we started talking about which was um trusting your path which is like for me personally the absolute like heights of my own depression was when i was like very just stuck in a job that i hated but that like paid me well (laughs) and it was just like I could do this I could be do this for the rest of my life and be successful and I don't like any part of it and so it was very much like trusting in the path and saying like this is where I'm at right now it might change it might not but I don't I don't control that and I don't want to and if things change tomorrow, then I'm fine with it. It's just, it's whatever the next step is. I'm okay with it being the right one. Is there any chance that you went and sought out a tarot card reading to help you make that choice? Could be. (laughs) 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 Truly, like before we started dating, when we were still just friends, John was like, oh, get a tarot card reading. And I was like... He was trying to choose between two things, but he didn't tell me what they were. And I was like, I get the impression that you're afraid there isn't going to be any stability if you don't choose this one. But I'm getting the, I forget, it was definitely a high number pentacle card on the other side. And I was like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll be okay. Make the choice that doesn't make you want to die. <laughs> like that. Yeah. It's going to be all right. Well, I think the issue is our society, they, we have these very skewed um, ways of looking at value. 
Yeah. You know, we so put like, a price tag on value, but we don't realize how valuable happiness is. But mm-hmm. we do because we commodify happiness, which is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I, I mean, I've talked to my kids about it. And they're like, well, I want this job because it's going to, you know, pay me a lot of money. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but if you're miserable, you're going to spend that money on crap you don't need. And then you're going to be broke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, well, I suppose so. I'm like, because I'm doing something that I'm passionate about and that I really, really love. And sometimes the money's there, sometimes it's not, but I'm always happy and we're always taken care of. And that's mm-hmm. all we can ask for is just what we need. And mm-hmm. that's what I ask the universe. I'm like, I don't ask like for, you know, millions of dollars because it's going to make me fucking broke. <laughs> but I ask for, you know, happiness. I ask for abundance. I ask mm-hmm. for joy, um, you know. And <laughs> what on earth <laughs> Joy, that was probably one of my kids going, can you pick up cereal on the way home? (laughs) 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 It's a lemming. (laughs) I'm like... (laughs) It was a video game. Classic video games? Yeah, Yeah. I remember. (laughs) I love lemmings. It was the best. Oh my god, yeah. It was such a fun game. Yeah, I remember playing that too. (laughs) Did you ever play Worms? Oh yes. Oh yes. (laughs) (laughs) They're the cutest. They're little hard hats. Yeah. There was one thing I want to make sure I ask you, just to get it, like, sorted. Because I come across this situation a lot at work. So we sell all kinds of different sacred herbs there. However, each of them are sourced from indigenous sources. Like, they are. The sources are good. I definitely check them before I even... Like, literally on my first day, I was like, where is this from? Where is this from? And, and they had Palo Santo, and I was like, this is an endangered plant, and it's sacred. And they were like, it's only the deadfall. I'm like, whatever. Trying to reassure me of all these things. But the owner of the store, I won't say the name of the store, but the owner is not indigenous, and she marks those all up. So she's, I mean, I assume she does. She marks up all the other merchandise in the store. I don't know specifically what the markup is on those products, but I assume it exists. Um, So there's that. That's one piece. The other piece is that people are obviously come in to purchase this, right? And a, a lady came in the other day and she's asking me about it. And so I'm, I'm telling her what, like what we have available. And I asked her if, she knows how to use these herbs. Do you know how to smudge? And she's just like a white lady. And she's like, I mean, I'm a white lady too, just to be clear. <laughs> but I, I mean, she, I'm a, on the store clerk side, so I'm trying to, whatever, answer her questions. And so I asked her that and she's like, yeah, I mean, you, you light it and you like use it to clear out your house or something like that. She said, you know, pretty standard. And I said, it's not really just that, and I'm not really the one to explain it to you, but there are a lot of people who are sharing this information, and I would highly recommend that if you're going to buy this, you go look at that, at least. You know, like, seek out some kind of guidance. And there have been a few people that I've told them to watch your Tuesday teachings, like a number of people. And she said something to me like, basically... I know that some people have said this is a closed practice and we shouldn't do it at all. And then she, of course, says, but other people have told me, as long as you're respectful, it's fine. And I was like, this is, I just 
felt like so much responsibility that was on me at that moment. And I was like, okay, Maddie, you got to like, say the right thing right now. <laughs> like, oh my God. And so I said, basically, I just want to point out, tell me, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. That's what I want to know, please. I said, what you just said is almost playing into the colonizer mindset a little bit. And I just think it's something you should reflect on because going, an indigenous person said that I'm not supposed to do this and I'm going to do it anyway, is the colonizer mindset exactly, Mm -hmm. which is the reason why someone would say this is a closed practice in the first place. Yes. And so... What's the difference between appropriation and appreciation? (laughs) Exactly. There's a huge difference between appropriation and appreciation. Appropriation is taking what you want, but not acknowledging all of the hardships that those people have had to endure to maintain our medicines, our teachings, our traditional practices, to even practice ceremony. A lot of those ceremonies had to go underground because that's what colonization did to us. Mm -hmm. You know, and frankly, genocide. These practices have survived through genocide. Not only genocide here through the indigenous populations, the Métis, um, the Inuit, the First Nations here, but also through Celtic traditions. Mm -hmm. There have been Celtic practices that were almost abolished completely Mm -hmm. due to genocide. And so it's recognizing where all of those teachings have come from where they have survived through. And it's not just taking bits and pieces of what you want. When you look at a painting, you just don't look at like the one color that you like. You have to look at the whole painting and take it all in and understand the entire story behind it. Whereas the same thing is with the practices. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just be like, oh, I just want to cleanse my house, but not understand, you know, well, these medicines, what do they represent? Mm-hmm. What is the medicine wheel? What does that represent? Mm-hmm. What are these particular teachings? What does this medicine specifically, like let's say you're using Kapal, what nations does this come from? Mm. Mm. And how did it get here? Mm. I think that's a better question mm-hmm. when people come in. Hey, do you understand how these medicines got here? Why we use them in this way? Mm. You know, the, the weight that they carry and the teachings that are behind them, the stories behind them. Because when you learn the stories behind the medicines, they can change the way that you look at the world and the way that you use those medicines. Mm-hmm. But it's also acknowledging the people that have been sharing those practices with you. I mean, one thing that you might even suggest to um, the owner of your shop is maybe having a day where you bring in mm-hmm. you know, a person of Indigenous descent um, who carries those teachings, who is you know, a knowledge keeper mm-hmm. that can share that with your clientele to make them more aware of the responsibility of carrying those medicines because some of those medicines we're reclaiming Mm -hmm. and you have to recognize that privilege of you just being able to take it whereas we had to fight for it to the nail and we still do Mm -hmm. there's certain times that we cannot smudge in certain buildings even though this is our land this is our Mm -hmm. territory this is our home you know if somebody one day like if the aliens came to earth one day and it was like go home this is where we would stay. Mm. And it's recognizing that those medicines, they grow where we stay. They grow mm-hmm. where we need them. Mm-hmm. But it's also important, well, what about your traditional practices? Mm-hmm. Where, where are your nations from? Everybody's indigenous to somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there's those practices there. So why do you have to 
appropriate someone else's practice when you have a beautiful and breathtaking practice of your own mm. if you trace those ancestors back. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have that appropriation aspect because they feel so detached and disconnected from their own ancestry. Mm-hmm. And it's a very quick fix because everybody just wants that first quick, easy thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to dig for their ancestors. Nobody wants to dig through that trauma and that pain and recognize what they've inflicted on our ancestors Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that's a sense of responsibility. But if you just appropriate something, I mean, that's just perpetuating the issue. Mm -hmm. Well, I think Mm -hmm. it's like what you say speaks so strongly to the the condition of like whiteness and not having a culture because being white isn't a culture, obviously. So, (laughs) but every, so many people like so many white people in Canada are Euro mutts or like whatever. Like mm. they're of very mixed descent from various like white countries in the world. And, and so then they, like you said, they don't feel any connection to their own culture or their own history. And then therefore they have nothing to fall back on. And so because so many incredibly strong generations upon generations of incredibly resilient, strong First Nations people kept these practices alive in the place where this white person happens to be living. And they're like, oh, great. It's right here for me without having to do any of the like work that made that available to them. I don't know. I just, it's something I struggle with a lot. And like so many other but so many of the other women who work in the store with me are a lot more accepting, I guess, of certain people. And I have a hard time getting around a lot of it. Mm. Like we had a fellow in the other day who was obviously very white. Nice guy, you know, mm-hmm. pleasant. He had a cute dog or whatever. <laughs> and as he's checking out, he's um, like, in order to join for the points, you have to give your name. And I wasn't... I was sitting like away. I wasn't actually dealing with him, but I could hear. And I heard him say his name was Krishna Das. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, literally me and the reader, the tarot card reader, both looked at each other at the same moment like, excuse me? <laughs> Your name's what now? Is it? And like, I kind of tried to bring up that question of like, what is the deal with this? Because the other girl who had run him through seemed to know him and like whatever has I guess probably served him lots of other times before and I was like what's the deal with that like I'm pretty sure his mom didn't name him Krishna Das probably (laughs) I get the impression that he's just decided that that's his name and Krishna is like Jesus for Hinduism Mm -hmm. essentially and I don't know that bothered me a little bit and I'm and I'm maybe making assumptions about him that are not fair but then again, at the same time, I'm not like, why would my first reaction to this be like, oh yeah, that's fine. Good job, Krishna Das. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, you don't know his mom. His mm. mom and his dad that's might fair. have been like total like hippies on a weird commune or and cult, like, right? Really you don't know. You don't know. You're right. You're right. You so, they could have been in the Osho cult. <laughs> right? Do you know about that? Oh my God. He was the... Owner yeah. of the most Rolls Royces in the entire world at one point. <laughs> Cult Which eating. again, appropriation. <laughs> Taking mm-hmm. what you need and selling it. And that's the thing. That's the difference. It's 
it's recognizing, you know, your privilege, recognizing where these things have come from and choosing to turn a blind eye. That's appropriation and that's the issue. You're right. And so I didn't know necessarily that he was appropriating that name and I just assumed that he was. Mm -hmm. And And sometimes it's starting those conversations, A window into my worldview. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think sometimes we have to recognize the lenses that we look through because there's been moments when I I have to catch myself and I'm like, wait a second, okay, take a breath. Mm -hmm. I know better than to judge. And so I'll actually have those conversations with people. Mm. You know, when I see someone wearing Dreamcatcher earrings, I'm just like, Okay, let's have a conversation about this. Mm. Hey, where are you from? Well, we're from Calgary. Okay, well, let's let's have a deeper conversation. Yeah. <laughs> from Calgary. Okay, where did you get your earrings? Mm. Uh, are they made in China or are they made by an indigenous person? Mm. And they're like, oh, I think they're made in China. Okay, let's have a conversation about that. So, <laughs> so then you're like, okay, now it's time for me to like, Actually, this is the meaning and yeah. this is why it's important mm-hmm. to buy these things from indigenous people. And there are incredible indigenous artists. There are. Join me on Facebook. I will send you a list. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because I think it's... Not only saying, hey, this is bad, but saying, hey, how can we correct this behavior or how mm-hmm. can we educate you in a meaningful way? Very true. I mean, I'm, it's unfortunate that as Indigenous people, we are also educators. Like, we have to educate mm-hmm. people yeah. on a constant basis. It's like a stream. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I don't mind because that's my gift. My gift is mm-hmm. to teach. My gift is to share. My gift is to, you know, share, you know, my voices and my songs and my stories, which, mm-hmm. um, and I love doing that. But I know sometimes it does get taxing and it gets exhausting. Um, In our nations, we have something called protocol, where if I'm going to share a teaching with you, you're going to give me something in return. Because Mm -hmm. when we share, that takes energy. It takes our time. It takes effort. For sure. And also when we're sharing specific, like, um, you know, practices, whether it be, like, something that we've been creating or making for generations, um, that protocol has to be exchanged because you are not only, you know, having this piece of my time, but you're having all of this experience behind my mm-hmm. time. And um, some people get it and some people just don't. Just don't and yeah. I think sometimes when I'm doing my live streams, um, I really, I need to stress that. Mm. It's like, I am giving my time. Mm-hmm. You know, so yes, you can share this, but recognize that, there's protocol involved with these teachings. And so that protocol will come to me energetically in different ways. And so Mm -hmm. I just let the universe take care of that. But Mm -hmm. sometimes people actually do, uh, you know, give donations, which I'm very, very thankful and humbled for. Yeah, I think people are really used to getting everything for free these days. Absolutely. Mm. For sure. Especially from, like, smaller creators. You know, like people who aren't Netflix. Mm -hmm. they're they're expecting everything that you make for free always Mm -hmm. and even beyond like creativity like when i was offering tarot there were people who would who would park their bike in front of my tent and scream at me for charging for tarot card readings yes you can't do you can't ask for money for this etc etc and I was just like this is how I pay my rent like (laughs) I'm going to be homeless if I don't get money at the time not now but Mm. but yeah it's just crazy like people I don't know they don't put value or they sometimes they do put value on it like you're Mm -hmm. saying and other times they just don't and you can tell the difference Mm -hmm. like when I came to Calgary I my business model was not feasible anymore and so I had to pivot and I decided, I don't care. I have a, like a day job. I just want to continue to help people. 
Because when I was doing tarot in Penticton, I found I, ha- I got a lot of people that had a hard lesson that they needed someone to hold their hand while they learned it. And that was constantly happening in my tent. And so I was happy to do that and it was really fulfilling and I wanted to do it more. When I came here, I started offering readings by donation, like no paywall, I guess. What you, you do is you say suggested donation. Mm. Well, in... Yeah, the case was such that the only people who sought me out at that point were people who had no respect for my time, you know? And they didn't... Hey. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the people who sought me out, yeah, had no respect for my time or what I was doing at all. And they were just like, oh, well, it's for free, so I'm just going to whatever. Like, not even try to get you to answer anything for me and just talk about my problems. It was just fine, mm-hmm. but... Or, or I'm going to be like, how many grandchildren am I going to have? When are they going to be born? Da, 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 da. And it totally divorced me from the thing about it that I enjoyed, which was the actually like digging in there with people and being like, here's the, here's the thing the universe needs you to look at right now. Yes. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I had the same experience because when I was in Arizona, um, I would do professional readings and uh, I was, it was out of a shop. So they mm. had set rates. Mm. Uh, and so I felt weird and dirty because I felt like only privileged people were um, coming in and affording it. And yeah. so what I would do on my spare time is I would just actually go downtown in Tempe and I would read for street kids. And I saved lives. Amazing. And mm. Because you have to balance everything. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it, you will feel a little dirty when you're asking for the money. Mm. But when you're balancing it with doing the good work, mm. you know, that's, that's really what feeds spirit. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a professional psychic too. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. It's not difficult to imagine. Well, it, sometimes it's just, it's a counseling session, honestly. Totally. When you're it reading, is. it's a counseling session. It's like, they already know that stuff. What you're telling them is nothing new. Yeah. But it's just like, everybody can see this, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's my job title, and yeah. there are kids where it's like, yeah, that's, that's the method I will use is like they're into tarot great like I can read your cards like (laughs) yeah I gave John the deck that my my mom gave me a deck called the shaman tarot and all of the cards are so different from like the rider weight like the deck that I'm used to and that a lot of decks are based on Mm -hmm. so this deck is so wildly different from the rider weight that as soon as I started trying to use it I was like I don't know what's going on (laughs) I don't like it Mm -hmm. and then John read with it and he was like bang on because he wasn't basing it because he doesn't have as much experience reading of the rider weight in the traditional deck Mm -hmm. so he's not trying to base it on that he's just pulling the card and going on what the symbolism on the card is and that's what you should be doing <laughs> yeah and so he loves that deck and he uses mm-hmm. it with his kids from yeah i don't know i just didn't vibe with that one but it was meant for you all along i guess hmm. well that's the thing so, well decks will tell you different things they all have different stories and it's recognizing the stories and how they speak mm-hmm. um Very and because i have different decks and depending on who who asked for a reading, I'll put up certain decks because I know that energy is good for them. And then other ones, they're very obscure. Like it just has numbers and people are like, 
bit, <laughs> but then some are very like symbolic, and I was like, okay, this is what's happening. Because right. um, I mean, I do numerology as well, so and of course, <laughs> like, that's the thing. I like when I was in Arizona, I was like, what am I gonna do? Let's do a little bit of everything. <laughs> numerology is so easy to fold into other readings, though. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. when are you born? Excellent. Let me just do some quick math. <laughs> Here we go. Right? Exactly. Yeah. What's your life path? I'm a 22. Of course I am. <laughs> You're a 22? Yeah, I am. I have two... I just had this done by um, the reader at Divine Mind. She's actually wonderful. And I had never sat down and done my own birth date, bizarrely. I mean, I did it to get to one number, which is one. Mm-hmm. So that's the magician in the tarot deck, which mm-hmm. is so true of me. Once I get in a bad mind frame, I just like keep manifesting the bad, oh, mm-hmm. the double-edged <laughs> magician sword. Yep. Anyways, I never actually looked at the equation really before. And she was, as she was doing it, she's like, you have 10, 9, and 10. You have two tens. And I was like, okay. She's like freaking out. You have two tens. And I was like, I don't know what that means. But yeah, I don't know. That's funny. Numerology is something I'm definitely gaining an interest in, like a greater interest now. That's interesting. I mean, numbers are important. It's definitely interesting because we deal with them so much now, especially in like our modern day lives. Mm -hmm. And you're constantly checking the clock and it's like... (laughs) 11 11 12 12 during the eclipse portal i saw 11 11 12 12 1 11 and then my old roommate who had 24 hour clock saw 13 13 all one after the other like on the eclipse and i was like oh my god the eclipse portal is opening (laughs) i don't know it's wild what does the 22 mean? You said you're a 22, and then you said, of course I am. Uh, well, four is, is like four directions, the balance. But uh-huh. 22 is like bringing balance to everything around you and everyone around you. So it's a little bit of chaos to bring balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, the nurturer, the learner. Oh, there's a few. But um, it's, a, it's one of the power numbers. Yeah, I guess so, right? Repeating, all the repeating numbers are like a thing. But mm-hmm. 22 especially. Uh, it's 11, 22, 11, 22. and 33. Right. Yeah, those mm-hmm. are the three power numbers. Like 44, but I've never, ever met a 44. Like, mm-hmm. ever. Because they would have been, like, you know, born in, like, 1999. And, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although, I suppose, now that my kids are a little bit older, maybe as they start to introduce mm-hmm. me to friends, there might be some. So, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> kids people born in 1999 are like old enough to drink isn't that weird it is so strange <laughs> like my son was born in 98 and i'm like how are you 23 this is so <laughs> freaking me out right now it's so weird mm. like how do i have a grown-ass man <laughs> so weird i'm like i don't look that old <laughs> you don't mm. a grown-ass man <laughs> that's funny <laughs> Who still calls me and Mom, can you make me up at work? Oh, man. <laughs> it's really funny. Okay, so I'm going to pause this conversation again right now, and we will pick it back up in the third and final episode of uh, the Sister Luna podcast that will be featuring Chantel Stormsong Chan Yong. 
actually I shouldn't say that perhaps we will have her on again sometime but the third episode in this little three part installment is yet to come uh so yeah check back in it will probably be up pretty shortly I think I'm just going to release them all when they're ready when they're done being edited so it'll be pretty soon um you can check back and hear the rest of our awesome conversation uh you can find Chantelle on youtube and facebook at chantelle stormsong chanyong her last name is spelt c-h-a-g-n-o-n and then chantelle and stormsong are pretty much spelt the way that you'd expect uh, you can also find her on instagram and twitter at storm shadow song highly suggest you check her out she does live traditional teachings every tuesday on her facebook page and i believe she shares them on the other platforms as well there's certainly a number of them on her youtube channel so uh, give her a look and she i know she's running some workshops coming up too um, and she does do them pretty regularly so yeah check those out as well um, I'm going to finish this episode today with the Raven song. This is another recording from the drum workshop that we did. Um, and Chantelle shares the story of the song and then the song itself. And it's one of my personal favorites. So stay tuned. Sister Luna says, remember to stay humble. And finally saying, you know what, guys? 
I'm the best, so you shouldn't even try. And so they stopped. They stopped trying. They started feeling bad. That, and they thought, okay, well, maybe if Raven is the best, well, we're not special at all. And so they stopped doing what made them amazing because they were too busy trying to compare themselves to the raven. And um, when they stopped doing what made them amazing, of course, the pollinators stopped pollinating and all of the trees and plants started to die. And all of the ants who worked together to clean everything up and to lift their own weight, they stopped doing what made them amazing. So they stopped working together and they stopped cleaning up messes. So there was debris everywhere. Even the wasps who clean up messes and pollinate, they stopped doing what makes them awesome. And there was just like kindling pretty much everywhere because there was nobody cleaning it up. And um, then the beaver, who of course cuts the trees down to redirect the water. When she doesn't redirect the water, all of the smaller animals didn't have any water to drink because there was no still water, there was no still streams. And so these animals started getting really dehydrated and grumpy. <laughs> and so all of the land around them just started to fall apart. And the bear who keeps everything in balance woke up and was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. What is happening here? Why is the whole world falling apart? What's going on? And um, went and asked the animals, like, why aren't you guys doing what makes you awesome? Look at the world around us, like it's falling apart. And they said, well, bear, the raven said that he was the best, so why should we even try? And the bear said, that's ridiculous. Nobody's greater or less than anyone else. And they said, well, the raven said that he was the best. And the bear said, guys, no, he's not the best. You know what? I will go deal with the bear. But look around you. The whole world is falling apart because you're not doing what makes you amazing. And you guys all look really sad because you're not doing what makes you amazing. And they said, no, you're right, bear. We're going to get back to doing what makes us special, what makes us happy, and what helps us con contribute to community in a good way. And so they started doing what made them awesome. And the bear lumbered over to the raven, who was looking at himself in a, puzzle, in a puddle, going, oh, I am so gorgeous. Oh, my God, I'm amazing. And then finally the bear said, raven, what is your problem? You're making everybody feel bad. And the raven said, my problem that I'm gorgeous and fabulous and rainbow and amazing and obviously I'm better than anyone else and the bear said no raven like everybody's equal everybody has different things that we're going to bring to the community to make it awesome and everything that we learn and we're going to share with the two-leggeds to make them awesome and the raven said except for me because I am so fantastic and amazing and wonderful I'm just better than anyone else so they shouldn't try and the bear said raven enough you're not better than anyone else you're not the best and the raven's like yes of course i'm the best have you seen me and they went back and forth for a while and finally the bear is like okay fine raven if you're the best animal go and catch the sun because only the best animal can catch the sun because he was trying to prove that no animal was the best and the raven who wasn't thinking straight because he was <laughs> taking himself far too seriously was like yeah uh, uh, of course i could catch the sun i am the best and so without thinking he flew higher and higher and higher and as he got closer to the sun he got warmer and warmer and warmer but he was determined to prove he was the best and so he flew higher and higher and higher until his feathers burst into flames he was like oh my god oh my god and then he crashed into the ocean and as he swam to the shore and pulled himself out he looked down at his feathers and they weren't rainbow anymore they weren't shiny anymore they were completely singed totally burnt totally black and he was mad he was mad that the bear would play such a trick on him and so he was like i'm gonna go tell that bear off and so he started marching angrily to the bear even though he's raven so he started hopping angrily over to the bear. <laughs> and on his path he started to see all of the animals that he made feel bad and he watched 
as they did incredible things. He watches the beaver redirected the water and all of those other animals were able to drink. And then there was all these medicines that grew in the places that wouldn't have grown before had it not been for the beaver. He watched as all of the birds just had the most effective delivery system for seeds. Uh, he watched as the elk wandered around and tapped out hot spots to keep the community safe. He watched as the buffalo gave back to the earth and he watched as all of the pollinators were making those plants grow and he thought, wow, you guys are amazing. You guys are incredible. Wow, you're really special in your own way. But then he looked down at his feathers and he said, but I'm, I'm not special anymore. And then he kind of realized that he was kind of a jerk. And so he said, guys, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for making everybody feel like they were less than. You guys are all amazing and incredible. I'm sorry I made you feel bad. I apologize. And so by the time he got to the bear, he wasn't angry anymore. He, he was sad. And he'd apologized to all of the animals. Um, and then he said, you know what, bear? I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I made everybody feel bad. I'm sorry I was a jerk to you. I'm sorry I thought I was the best. But bear, look at me, I'm not special anymore. There's nothing great about me. And the bear said, well, yeah, you learned something really important. You learned about humility. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> so the bear said, humility. You know, you learn not to take yourself too seriously. You learn not to compare yourself to others. You learn that if you do that, you're gonna get into trouble. Or even thought about it for a minute. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And then he thought about the trick that the bear played on him to teach him about humility. And he thought about all of the amazing tricks that he could play on other animals and on the people, the two-leggeds, when they came to teach them about humility. And then for the first time, the raven got his voice of laughter. <laughs> and so from that point on, he had the voice. And he said, you know what, you're right there. I'm going to continue to play tricks on people and on all of the animals to teach them about humility. So that's how the raven became the trickster. But even to this day, when we look at a raven's feather, it still has a shimmer mm -hmm. of rainbow to remind him of that lesson of humility. So that's the raven story. Uh, <laughs> that's great. And now I'm going to teach you the raven song, which is super fun. Um, and so. Uh, the Raven song is broken down into three parts, even though the, the, the first part we actually sing for the last part as well, so technically four parts. Um, but when we sing it, it's um, about singing together, so it's about honoring everybody's voice in community. Then we have a part where we let out a happy sound because it teaches us not to take ourselves too seriously and just to enjoy the, you know, the joyfulness and that playfulness of spirit that we need to keep. Um, and then we do a call and response to acknowledge each other, and then we sing all together again. So, um, the first part of the song is, uh, repeat after me. Yahweh Yahweh Lots of different chants, lots of different um, like 
areas of spirituality because it's that sound, that intrinsic sound that connects us to spirit, which is why spirit in a lot of different languages is Yahweh. So um, repeat after me. Yahweh, way Yahweh, way We're going to let out a happy sound. It might be a woo or a ow or a yippee or a hoo or a yay. Whatever your happy sound is. <laughs> so take a deep breath and we're just going to let out a happy sound. One, two, three. Okay, one more time. One, two, three. Awesome. So we'll sing Yahweh, way Then happy sound. Yahweh, way
so uh, yeah, can I use it? And he's like, where are you from? And I'm like, Muskegee. And he's like, what's your family? I'm like, gray eyes. He's like, so you're my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> so it's our family song, so yes, you can use it. I'm like, yes. And uh, he calls himself a Cherokee because he's Cherokee and Cree. So you thought it's my cousin's song. Well, actually, it's our family song, which is awesome. So, um, 